We welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. We're in the book of Isaiah uh, this evening, chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 27. Isaiah the prophet is speaking. God by his spirit is speaking to him and through him to the people. He's speaking to the nation of Israel in the midst of their idolatry. And he says in verse 27, Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel? So he's talking, of course, here to God's people. My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not? Neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. He giveth power to the faint, to them that have no might. Excuse me. I'm reading that 29th verse again. He increases strength. Verse 30, even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Notice what we read in verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord. I want to speak to you on this subject this evening. Wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. Israel has lost hope in chapter number 40. They've lost hope. And God has sent the prophet to speak to them and to encourage them. Look in chapter 40 and verse 1. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her. What is God sending the prophet to do? He's sending him uh, to encourage and to strengthen those who were discouraged, those who had lost hope. The Bible says that hope deferred maketh the heart sick. When you have your hope in something and it seems as if that hope is not going to be fulfilled. Those expectations that God would do something is not actually uh, apparently going to be realized. When that takes effect in our lives, in our hearts and in our minds, we lose heart. We get discouraged. And the message that is given to God's people is that they wait that they look to, that they hope upon or set their hope upon the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. 
So the message that comes is to wait upon the Lord. Now, I want you to see some things as we look at this passage, and I hope you'll write them down. The first of all is this, number one, the struggles of God's people. We see the struggles of God's people. Notice what the prophet asks. He says, why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel? And here's what they said when they, when they spoke. My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. Here's what Israel was doing. They were struggling in their difficulty. They were struggling with doubt. They were struggling with disbelief. I want to ask you a question. Have you in your difficulties ever struggled? Have you ever doubted God? Have you, have you found yourself like these people with a soul that was cast down, as David said, a soul that is disquieted within, a soul that has lost hope, a soul that is sick? This is the condition of the soul's of the people of Israel. They are struggling, and they're struggling in a particular way, in two ways exact that are given to us in verse 27. First of all, they struggle with this fact. In their own heart, they said, God does not hear us. God doesn't hear us. Notice what they say here in verse 27. My way is hid from the Lord. God does not notice me. God does not see me. God does not care about me. Remember the words of the disciples on board the boat in the midst of the storm? Jesus was asleep in the hinder part of the ship. And the disciples came to Jesus and they said this, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Lord, here we are. We're obeying you. We're doing exactly what you told us to do, to get on the boat, that we're going to the other side, and then you led us right into this awful, dreadful storm. And now that we're in it, we have a question for you. Do you not care that it looks as if we're going under? Just as we noted uh, in uh, Hebrews 11 with the people of God when they came to the, the brink of the sea and the, the Egyptians are pressing down on them, following hard after them. And remember what the people said to Moses. They said, we told you, you should have left us in Egypt. We would have been better off serving the Pharaoh in Egypt than dying in the wilderness. Here's what they were saying. God doesn't care. He doesn't care. He doesn't hear us. My way is hid from the Lord. Isaiah chapter 59 in verse number one, God speaks and he says this, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. God, you are not beyond God's reach. That's what he's saying. The Lord's hand is not shortened. I don't know what troubles and difficulties you're facing. I, I know what some troubles and difficulties people are facing in our church because I've talked to you. I've met with you. I met with some folks recently who are really having a great struggle in their life. And it's an ongoing struggle. And there doesn't seem to be any answers. A lot of prayers, but no answers. Seeking God, but yet no relief. And in the midst of that, a wondering begins to brew up in the mind. 
does God hear me? Does God hear me? If he hears me, why isn't he helping me? My way is hid from the Lord. And, and so God says through Isaiah, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. You are not beyond my reach that it cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. God hears the cry of his servants. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things thou knowest not. As Brother Hickman mentioned, uh, the Bible says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. In other words, God hears our prayer and God answers our prayer. So in their struggle, this is what they said. They said, God does not hear. My way is hid from the Lord. Here's the second thing they said. They said, God does not help. God does not hear and God does not help. This is what they're struggling with. Notice here in the closing part of verse 27, and my judgment is passed over from my God. I brought my case to him. I pleaded my case. I said, Lord, I'm, I'm going through a difficulty. I, I'm going through a trial. I've got people who are afflicting me, or I have a, a, a disease, an infirmity in my body. That's what Paul said to the Lord. He said, I prayed three times that God would remove this thorn in the flesh. But God didn't remove it, did he? And so we're tempted to say when it appears to us that as if God is inactive. Have you ever been in a place where you believe God is inactive? You've been praying. You've been seeking the Lord. You're trying to honor him. You're trying to do the right thing. And God isn't hearing, apparently. At least that's what we have imagined in our mind. And then we might say, God doesn't help. He's not solving the problem. He's not fixing the situation. And so this is what Israel said. My judgment is passed over from my God. He's dismissed my case. He's too busy for me. He's concerned about others, but he's not concerned about me. These are the struggles of God's people in the midst of our difficulties. Well, that leads us to a second thought, and that is the supply of God's power. The supply of God's power. Israel, in the midst of their struggle, needed to be reminded of who God is. And God is a powerful God. Look in verse 28. Hast thou not known? By the way, in the midst of your trial and difficulty, don't allow your feelings to overwhelm you. You see, the devil is always working against us. In what realm does he work? Obviously, in the spiritual realm. He works in the realm of our mind. He works against us. He battles in the mind of the believer. He can't have our soul, but he battles against us. He, he battles in our thought life. He's a liar and a deceiver. That was his tactic from day one, right? Eve, has God said, did, did God really say, you can't eat that fruit? Oh, you're not going to die. In fact, you're not only going to live, you're going to be like God, and you won't need God anymore because you will be God. He said, sounds pretty good. I'll take the fruit. She was deceived in her mind. You see, Satan works against us in our mind. 
He's constantly opposing us. And in our struggles, in our trials, Israel's in a struggle here. They're in a trial. They're in a difficulty. In the midst of our struggles and trials, the devil comes against us and he tells us lies. And then the devil has an ally who works against us. Do you know who that ally is? It's you. It's your flesh. It's this old carnal man that all of us live with. And he is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. The flesh resists God. The flesh exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The flesh buys into the lie of the devil. And so Satan is working and the flesh is working with him in concert to discourage us and to cause us to be overwhelmed by our feelings, by our perception. And oftentimes for many people, perception is stronger than reality. So what is God seeking to do here? He's seeking to bring his people back to reality. They're struggling. God doesn't hear us. God won't help us. And God said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's some things you got to remember. There's some things that you you need to understand. These are not things that, that you feel, but these are things that are true. And they're true about me. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. You see, God has power. That's what we learn here in these verses. They had problems. They had struggles, but God has power, and he has a vast supply of it. He has more than enough to help us, to aid us in our struggles. Look again at verse 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, what is he reminding them of? That God is everlasting. He's eternal. He is the alpha and omega. He's the beginning and the end. He spoke this universe into existence. He has no beginning, but he has no end. Do you know what that means? That means God doesn't change. God doesn't change, and God's power is not diminished one bit. You see, the natural laws of the universe teach us that things that are here, eventually the clock will unwind. Things that are set in motion will eventually come to an end. I was, I was watching the golf tournament the other day, and Bernhard Langer, who won the U.S. Senior Open, was in an interview after he won, 66 years old, and he won it. I think they said the average age of the winner of that tournament was like 52. He wins it at 66. He's had a great career as a senior golfer. He had a great career uh, before that. But I was listening to him, and he was talking about how difficult it is to walk those golf courses at 66. And he was telling, every time you take a step down, on a, on a, on a, you know, when the ground is in decline and you're coming down from an incline, he says you put 20 
times your body weight on your knee. And he says, so if you weigh 2,000, or if you weigh 200 pounds, and just, that'd be a big guy, would it? If you weigh 200 pounds, every time you take a step down, it's 4,000 pounds of pressure on that knee. And he said, I've walked a lot of golf courses. He says, but I'm winding down. He said, if I sit down and have supper with you and I'll sit in a chair for about an hour, he says, when I get up, after I haven't moved for an hour, he said, I got to move around a little bit before I take off, you know. I got to let the oil run back down, right? You see, the body breaks down. The outward man perishes. But God said, I'm not that way. I'm eternal. I'm everlasting. You see, God's power has not been diminished at all. He has a vast supply. Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, thank God that your God is an eternal God. He changes not. The Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, the God who spoke the universe into existence. Matthew Henry says this, he therefore is the rightful owner and ruler of all and must be concluded to have absolute power over all and all sufficiency to help his people in their greatest straits. In other words, there's no problem that you and I have that is not under the grasp of an almighty God that is beyond his control. God is a creator God. He's a mighty God. He's an everlasting God. That's your God. So in the midst of the problems and the struggles, put them in perspective and see God. Isaiah had seen him in the year that King Uzziah died. How did he see him? High and lifted up. His glory. He saw God in his glory. And he was overwhelmed with it. He was overwhelmed with it. He's the everlasting God. He's the creator God. Then notice what he says here. The creator of the ends of the earth, he fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He is a God of infinite wisdom. He's a God of infinite power. And he's a God of infinite wisdom. Let me read Romans 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him? and it shall be recompensed unto him again. In other words, who of you or who among you can compare your thoughts with God's? Do you know what we have in our modern day? We have a world that seemingly, at least in their mind, in their imagination, has put God on trial. The creature is saying to the creator, why have you formed us thus? I would believe God. You've heard people say this, right? I would believe God if I understood why he did this. If God's so good, why did he allow suffering? If God's so good, why did he let my loved one die? You hear people talk like that, right? 
You see, instead of us being standing before the judge, we, we, we've, tried to shift, we've tried to shift the tables. We've tried, we've tried to turn the tables and say, wait a minute, we're the judge and God's on trial. I want you to know God's not on trial here. But one day all of us are going to be. We shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ if we know the Lord is our Savior. And if you don't know the Lord is your Savior, then you'll be before the great white throne. And when we look at our wisdom and what we think God ought to do in the situation, by the way, we're pretty good at telling God how to get us out of the situation, right? Now, Lord, if you'll, if you'll all right, Lord, I've got a five-point plan here. I've thought this thing out, God. Here's step one. If you'll do that, then we can go on to step two. And then ultimately, God, we'll get to my deliverance and everything will be great and I'll serve you and it'll all be hunky-dory. And then when God doesn't get in step with our plan, what happens to us? We get discouraged at God. We get mad at God. We think that God has let us down because we placed human expectations on God. We have elevated human reasoning and human logic to the place of divine logic and divine wisdom. And that's a dangerous place to be. You see, we may go through periods of doubting or questioning God, but we cannot expect that God is going to answer to our whim and our fancy, that he's going to seek our approval for every decision he makes, or that we're going to understand everything that he's doing. Why? Because even if he explained it to us, we couldn't understand it. His mind is infinite. His wisdom is beyond our ability to even grasp it. His judgments are unsearchable. You couldn't understand them if you tried. His ways are past finding out. We say, oh, I, I see what God is doing here. And sometimes we begin to see just a glimpse of what he's doing, but we don't always understand all that God is doing, do we? No, we cannot know, and we will not know unless he reveals it to us in heaven. This is our God. We must be confident in him. This is the supply of his power. God says, if you're struggling, you need to remember something. I'm on the throne. I'm in control. I'm everlasting. I'm the creator. My wisdom is infinite. I'm working all things together for your good. Well, how do we know that, Pastor? Because the Bible tells us. That's how we know it. And so when we're struggling and the devil's whispering in our ear, what do we need to remember? What God has said. You see, there's what they were saying and there is what God said. And what's important for us to understand and to know is what God has said. Not what others are saying, but what God has said. If you are going through difficulty, the greatest balm for your soul is the Bible. We have to become readers of the Word. We have to become readers of the Word. How deep are you in your knowledge with God and your knowledge of God? You know, I think some people, in fact, I believe this is true, many people are satisfied to say, I'm saved and I'm going to heaven when I die. And beyond that, there's not much expectation not to really know God. 
Well, we pray when we got problems, right? Lord, we got a problem here. Will you fix this? Like a mechanic, you know. God, I'm going to take my car into the shop. Will you fix it? But Paul said, wait a minute. The pursuit of my life is to know God. And how does God get us to the place where we can know him? Well, Paul said, I want to know him through the power of his resurrection. I want to experience victory. I want life and vitality, you know. And when Joel Osteen flashes that beautiful smile and tells you you can live your best life now, he's buying into that or he's not buying in. He's, he's, he's using that desire within us to have prosperity and blessing. He's appealing to that part of us. But this is the message that has failed to, to be proclaimed, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his, say it with me, suffering. You see, when we're suffering, when we're suffering, well, then we can hear God's voice, can't we? When we're going through struggles, when we're going through doubts, then we want to hear from God, or we should. And the only, the only support we get in the midst of those struggles is from the power of God's Word. The Word of God is quick and powerful, quick meaning life-giving, strength-imparting. The Bible gives me strength. So when the feelings begin to pull me down, when the lies of the devil begin to come against me, what buoys me up? It is the truth of God's Word. Well, that leads me to a third part. That's the strength of God's people. The strength of God's people. Look at verse 29. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. God gives strength. And that strength that God gives us, that he supplies to us, becomes our strength. Now notice in verse 29 who receives it. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. You see, here's the, here's the way God works. As long as you're strong in yourself, you don't get God's power because you don't think you need it. And God will allow you to come to a point where your strength fails you. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no mighty increase of strength. Look at verse 30. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. What was Bernhard Langer telling us? That there was a day when he was youthful. But no more. And he is fainting as the years draw by. And by the way, there's a point at which these young people, as hard as they go, and as long as they may play, run out of gas. I've watched it happen. I don't know how many thousand basketball games I've probably seen and soccer games. Thousand may be a, a stretch. I don't know. Fifteen years. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe five, six hundred, maybe. I don't know. I watch them get in the game and look at me. 
and then get humbled. Been a lot of there's been a lot of humbling out here on this court. Or get tired. Holding on to their pants, you know. Been over. I gotta come out. We all wear out. Even in our youth, in our vitality, we wear out. But when we've come to the point where we're faint and without strength, by the way, the Bible says when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. What makes the difference between those who go to heaven and those who don't? It is that we recognize that we have no power, no strength to please God. We are brought to an awareness that we are utterly sinful, that we are bound for an eternity without Christ, that we cannot be righteous. When we come to that reality, in the midst of our weakness, we call out to the one who is strong and who supplies our salvation. So who are the recipients of this strength? The faint and those who have no might. Do you qualify? Any weary people here tonight? Any tired folks? Well, you're just where you need to be to receive God's strength. What did he say to Paul? My strength is made perfect in what? In your weakness, Paul. Can you imagine Paul discouraged? All he wants to do is get out there and serve God, make another missions trip, win another soul, preach another message. But he's got the thorn, and he thinks it's holding him back. It's impeding him. It's keeping him from being profitable. But it's not. God is actually using it to further the gospel. And God is saying, wait a minute, Paul. What you don't realize is what you consider to be weakness is really my strength through you. My grace is sufficient. So the recipients of his strength, if you want God's strength, the first thing you have to do is become weak. You have to recognize your weakness. You have to humble yourself before a mighty God. And a humble, weak person then looks to God. And what does he do? Verse 31, they that wait upon the Lord. Again, to wait is to hope. It is to look to. What, was, what, what, what were we admonished to do in Hebrews chapter 12? To look unto Jesus, to look unto him as we're going through the race of life, as we're, as we're exercising our faith, as, as the circumstances and the temptations and the waves of, uh, of despair come against us, what is it that we do to endure? We look to Jesus. We hope. We wait upon him. Don't lose hope tonight. That's the message. And notice what God does. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. We don't know when, but we know they shall. Do you believe that tonight? Can God lie? Has any of the promises that God has made ever failed us? No. Are you the special case that fell through the cracks that God didn't catch? No. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. What a blessing to have strength renewed, to cast off the old garments, the weary garments of the flesh, and to receive the strength of the Lord. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. What does an eagle do? He flies above the storm. He flies above the current. He soars up into the heavens. 
God gives us the strength to soar above the circumstances and the difficulties and the trials and enter into his presence. He has raised us up together and seated us together with him in heavenly places. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. I watched an eagle. I was at Hope Bradley's house. You guys remember Hope and his wife? Hope moved to Greenville, Tennessee, and I was preaching there, and Hope let me stay at his house while I was there. And he lives along this, or he used to. I think he built another house, but he was renting a house. And he lived in this area by a river, beautiful place. And there was an eagle. In fact, there was a number of them, bald eagles flying out behind his house, beautiful place. And the wind was just strong. And I watched these eagles sit there for about an hour and just watch. They would just mount up into the wind and just ride the current. They would, they, every once in a while, they would move either a little bit forward, a little bit backward, a little bit from, you know, lower, a little bit higher. But it, it, just, it just seemed as if they were stationary. Most of the time, they weren't affected. You see the currents of adversity and the winds of difficulty that, that, that we think are going to blow us down or blow us back. The eagle, he can soar above those winds. Those winds lift him up. And God uses adversity in our life to draw us to him. And perhaps the adversities you're going through God is using to bring you to him. No doubt he is. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. I talked about that six-minute mile last week, right? I got weary. They shall run and not be weary. We're living in a busy world. We got a busy pace. We're running here and there. We have responsibilities. We have we have all kinds of, of requirements that are laid upon us. And sometimes we get weary. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. It's great to soar, isn't it? Every once in a while it's great to run. But what do we do most often? We walk. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the everyday stuff that we got to do. They shall walk and not faint. God gives us the strength to move on. Psalm said, the psalmist said in Psalm 27, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. That'd be a good verse to memorize, wouldn't it? Psalm 27, 14, let me say it again. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Those are strong words from the psalmist, weren't they? You know why he could say it? because he lived it. Nights out there in the dens and caves. He knew what it was like. Proverbs 20 and verse 22, say not thou I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord. Somebody's on your nerves, somebody's working against you, some difficulty, some trial, and you just want to end it all. That's what, by the way, that's what David was tempted to do, right? They said, hey, look, here's Saul. Go ahead and kill him. But David would not do it. He would not smite the Lord's anointed. He waited on the Lord, and the Lord saved him. So we see the strength of God's people. God will renew. He's promised to do it. Thank you for listening. 
We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.